Our gospel lesson today is found in the book of Acts. And it helps if I get to the right page before I say that. There we go. Uh, It comes in Acts chapter 2 and starts in verse 42. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Gospel of the Spirit. So, we're looking at Acts Empowered. We're looking at the things that happen in the book of Acts after the Holy Spirit comes and fills the church. We're looking at the things that happen as the Holy Spirit being present in the church. And last week we looked at that first sermon of Peter after all this happens where he's talking to the people and he's, he's telling them about, about how things have changed from what they were expecting was going to happen to what actually happened. And so what we're seeing now is right after that. So Peter preaches this sermon and the church grows by a, a really large amount, 3,000 people. Um, that, that's, a, that's, a big, that's a big jump in, to happen in one message. And so we have all these people becoming part of the church who are the same people who have become Christians who say they believe in Jesus and they begin to have community together. And so here we hit kind of what happens right after that. That say, okay, so all these people joined this early church. It was 120, now it's 3,120, or really more like 9,000, because that probably wasn't including women and children. And so you have this big, big jump in the church. And, and so they start to become the church together. Because there's one thing that, that is true, and it's a weird little thing in Christianity, where you can become a Christian and not be part of the church, right? You can, you can believe in Jesus, but never integrate your life in this thing that, that he made, that the Bible describes as his bride, that is Christians in community with each other. Now, you, don't, you can be a Christian and not be a part of a church. That doesn't mean it's a good idea. <laughs> in fact, it's a dumb idea. But it, it is possible, and we see that. And but what we're going to look at today is a little bit of, so being a part of the church, what does that mean? So we're all a part of a church here. We're a part of Mars Hill. And what does it mean to be a part of the church? And I think this little section kind of lays it out from the very beginning, what the church was all about. So it starts with Acts 2.42, and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Well, that's pretty action-packed right there. Like, the little verse has a lot of things that make the church. So let's talk about it a little bit. So the first thing that that makes the church the church is that they learn about Jesus together. Right? Sounds a lot like what we're doing right now. They learn about Jesus together. And that's in a lot of different contexts. That That can be learning about Jesus together on, on, when we meet on Sunday, right? We meet on Sunday because Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday. And so every time the church gets together, it's, a, it's like a little bit of saying, hey, by the way, this resurrected Jesus, that's why we even meet. 
Why do we get together? Because Jesus was raised from the dead. Why do we do it on Sunday? Because that's when Jesus was raised from the dead. Because historically, you go back to when Jesus' time, they met on a different day. They actually, the Sabbath was on Saturday. And so we, the, the church eventually moved that. They said, you know what, that we're going to be a little bit different. We're going to meet on Sunday. And so when we meet together on Sunday, the first thing it talks about them doing is they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. So these 12 guys who were with Jesus are teaching the people about Jesus. And so they're learning about Jesus together as a community, how it all comes together and what that looks like. And so one of the most important things that we do is we learn about Jesus together. We look at God's word together. We unpack it and we say, how does this 2,000-year-old collection of books, more than 2,000 for the older part, how does this apply to our lives today? How does the resurrection of Jesus change my life today? How, how can I be more like Jesus today? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So that doesn't mean that they showed up and they, you know, maybe they daydreamed a little bit and, you know, well, you know, whatever. They, they devoted themselves to it. For, for these early Christians, this was, was an important part of what they did. We also devote ourselves to, to learning about Jesus together in other contexts. When we, you know, when we meet together in smaller groups, when we, maybe you go to a Bible study, maybe whatever it is, there's all these different ways that we learn about Jesus together. We devote ourselves to learning about Jesus. It becomes a committed part of who we are and a part of what we believe as a church is that we all need to know Jesus more. And so we need to learn about him more. So if you're not learning about Jesus in the context of other people, you're not really a part of the church. You could be a Christian, but being a devoted follower of Jesus and a part of his church means you're learning about Jesus with other people because other people will help us to learn things that we might not have learned on our own because other people see where we don't see. For my wife notices things that I do that are wrong, let's just say, better than maybe I notice. I don't notice that I leave all the cabinets open after I empty the dishwasher. I just do it. Because um, in my head, I put the dishes away and I've already moved on to my next activity. Um, maybe I haven't completely completed the one I was working on. Other people notice things that we do that maybe we don't notice. They notice our blind spots. And so that's why we learn about Jesus together because other people notice things that we do that maybe we don't notice. Maybe, there's, maybe they might tell you, hey, you know what? Uh, I see that this might be something that could benefit you in life. I see you doing this. Maybe there's a way I can help you with that. We see each other. We know each other. And as we learn about Jesus together, we can speak into each other's lives about the gospel and the resurrection. So the church learns about Jesus together. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. And it also says, and, and to fellowship. This is one of those, those Bible words that uh, is in common in Christian culture. I saw a video the other day that was like, uh, it was called Shoot Christians Say. There's a big parody of all the Christianese stuff in the church. One of the buzzwords is, is fellowship. We had such a great fellowship last night. And this is one of those, there's lots of Christianese that we can say better. Um, that I try to translate into the words that actual humans say. But fellowship is actually a different one because it, it, there's not a, another word that I think really encompasses what the Bible means here. 
Fellowship is the church living together in community, being a part of each other's lives, and then getting together as the church outside of a, a service setting to, to encourage each other and to be a part of each other's lives. When we do a game night, we fellowship. We're not necessarily, you know, doing a Bible study, but, but we're, we're in each other's lives. We're talking to each other. We're engaging with each other. When, we have, we, when you have someone that you know who's a part of the church over for dinner and you hang out with them, well, then you're fellowshipping with them. And again, it, it, it's, it's a, it sounds a little corny, but it's a really powerful thing. It's a part of what makes the church a church. If you're not fellowshipping with other believers and other people who are a part of the Christian community that you're in, then you're not necessarily being a part of the church. Because you can come to service, and I don't think this is really something we see a lot in our church, but you can, you can come to service, show up, sit quietly, and leave, and never interact with other people. And never interact with other believers. And then if you do that, you're not really living in community. You're not fellowshipping with others if you don't have a life interactions with them outside of the church. Living in community is a part of being the church. Then my favorite part, which is to the breaking of bread, which means they eat together. <laughs> I like eating. Uh, a little too much sometimes. And it's funny because you, you're going to actually see another example of this. In, in verse 46, it says, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Eating is such an important part of the church, it gets mentioned twice in this passage. Amen. Um, it's important. We eat together. And what's funny is heaven is actually often discussed as a feast. Eating is going to be a part of, of eternal life. We've talked about this before. We, Someday when we're, we're, the resurrection has happened and we're made new, we have resurrected bodies, we're going to still eat. We're going to feast. How cool is that? So I figure today when I eat a feast, like Thanksgiving, that I'm just preparing for heaven. I think it's a good plan. We, we eat together. And eating is, is a part of fellowship. For some reason, sitting down and having and sharing a meal as the church is important. It's a part of what we do. In a sense, we're practicing for heaven when we eat together. So eating together is a big part of the church. It's why we occasionally do our breakfast Sundays. Because then we, we have an excuse to eat together. Uh, pancakes, which are delicious. We, we eat together. We, we do things where we have food. Sometimes we have lunch before we do something after service. Because it's important that we eat together. And then finally, this first little section, enter prayer. So the church prays. They pray individually and they pray together. Prayer is something of value. We've talked about prayer a couple of times in the last six months. But we remember that we pray because we want God to interact on our behalf. But we also pray because when we pray, we listen and God changes us. A part of being the church is saying God's spirit lives inside of us because we live in Jesus. So we want to listen to what the spirit is saying to us, because if we listen to what the Spirit is saying to us, then we can be a part of what He's doing on mission. So, so we pray. So the passage goes on to say, everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. So the first part of this, when we, we look at what, the, what it looks like is the church, is everyone was filled with awe. 
That kind of language in Scripture is language of worship. Everyone was filled with awe. That awe wasn't addressed toward necessarily the things that were going on around them. That awe was expressed toward what God was doing in and among them. That's worship. That's, that's a heart of worship where you say, hey, God's doing this. And wow, God is incredible. And so the church is called to be, to be worshipers. And that's, one, that's something that we do as part of our service, right? We take, we take some time and, and Dan and JD get up and, and we, have, we have music. And that music all expresses awe or praise to God. And so what we do is we try to take that focus off of, hey, I'm just singing some words on the screen to how do, how do these words express my heart toward Jesus? We, we worship. Acts 2.46, a little further on, says that they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. They were praising God. They were worshiping God as a community and they were worshiping God as individuals. If prayer and worship aren't a part of what you're doing, then you're not necessarily being a part of the church. And then it says that, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And what I think of with this is that that if if we're a part of the church, if we're we're listening to God's spirit, then we expect God to show up and do stuff. We expect God to, to to do different things in our lives. We expect God to change us. We expect God to do things in our community. Our mission, change the city, change the world, which is a really big mission for a church that's a year and a half old and about... Uh, 25 people and 20 youth. <laughs> Sometimes you, you look at that and you say, okay, well, how do we, how do we manage this at, at all? Because we're a church that expects God to show up because we're empowered by His Spirit. God is able to do more than we could possibly do on our own. We expect God to do things that we can't do on our own. We expect God to show up and to change our city and through us in whatever way that is to change the world. So the church expects God to show up. You don't just come to church and think, well, I'm going to come to church because I'm supposed to. I'm going to come to church because it's a good thing to do. You think, I'm going to come to church because I believe that God's spirit inside of me is going to do something to make me different today. And going to make me more like Jesus. And he's going to do something with us as a community to make us more like Jesus. Because it's all about the community. Then, here comes the really fun part. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. God's people, as a part of the church, are generous with each other. They're generous with each other. And what I love about this verse here is that there was nothing in here. The apostles weren't going up to people and saying, hey, you... You're going to sell that and give it to this person who needs something. There's none of that. There's no coercion. If you're in a church that's trying to coerce you out of money, you're in, a, you're in the wrong church. But instead, the church is, gen- is generous. They see a need and they say, how can I do something about that? Because they're doing all this other stuff before it. They're, they're fellowshipping, they're praying, they're worshipping. So their ears are tuned to God's spirit and their hearts are tuned to each other and they know each other so they know when there's a need and so nobody has to do anything they just start selling their stuff or finding some money and and giving it away 
saying, hey, you know what? This person needs something, so I'm going to do something about it. And this has changed in, in the American church in, in, in a bad way in some ways, and it's good in others, where people expect the church to have a benevolence ministry. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and lots of churches I've been a part of have had a benevolence ministry, where if somebody has a need, the church has a fund set aside, and they take a little bit of money and they help, they help with the need, and that's good. And I'm a part of an organization that's out of the Catholic Church that gives a lot of money away, Catholic charities. And when people have needs, they can go and, and they get their, their needs met, and that's good. And as a, as a church, we, we do some of that. We have a, well, a, a small benevolence fund, because we're not a big church, uh, nor do we have a ton of money. But we, we try to find ways as a church to be generous when people have needs. But it's even more than that here, where the heart of this isn't that, that, that people expect the corporate church to do something, but instead, the people look for ways to help others. They look for ways to be generous. And it's, and it's always out of their own heart. We say, God, I see this need, so how can I be generous and meet that need? The church is called to be generous with each other. And then it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So finally, the last thing the church does is the church multiplies. The church expands itself. And so the point of the church is God's mission, Jesus' mission on earth. All these things focus around Jesus' mission for the church, which is that we would go to every tribe, tongue, and people, and that we would tell them about the resurrected Jesus so they can become part of the church so that they can have their lives changed, so that they can reach out to other people who can learn about the resurrected Jesus who can become part of the church. The church multiplies. And the key to all these things, all these things lead into this, which is that we're on the mission Jesus gave us, empowered by his spirit to tell people about Jesus. And the secret to making the church work is you. All these things require that you do what you're supposed to as a part of a church. It requires that I do what I'm supposed to do. But the difference between the, the church the way it's supposed to be and church the way that sometimes people expect it to be is that sometimes people expect all these things to happen because some guy instigates it. Usually that guy is, I don't know, the pastor. So the pastor needs to make sure that there's opportunities for fellowship. The pastor needs to make sure that, there's, that generosity is given to those who are in need. The pastor needs to go out and tell people about Jesus so that the church grows. The pastor needs to pray. The pastor needs to, go back to my list here. The pastor needs to help us learn about Jesus together. Uh, the pastor needs to passionately worship God so that all this stuff will happen so that the church will multiply. But that's not what you see in Acts. In Acts, you see that every single person empowered by the spirit of the living God does these things so that the church grows, so that the church accomplishes the mission that Jesus gave them. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for your spirit. God, we're grateful for a church that is a good church. God, I, I'm grateful to be a part 
uh, of a church where I see these things happening. God, uh, that there's so many generous people in our church. There's so many people who, who are devoted to learning about you. That there's so many people who are willing to step in and serve. People who are willing to, to get together and know each other and live in community together. That we're all willing to eat together. God, there's so many good things and so many great things that are happening as a part of our church. But help us, God, to see the areas that we need to grow. God, because none of us are perfect. None of us have arrived at where we need to be as a part of your community. So show us the area that, that we need to develop, God. Maybe it's one or maybe it's two of these that, that we need to become intentional about. But God, for each of us, there's something that we, can, that we can grab onto and say, Jesus, I need to be better at that. I need to be more focused on telling people about you. Or I need to be more focused on prayer. Or I need to be more focused on, on finding times to get together with people in the church and just hang out. God, to be able to, to create community inside of the church. For each of us, God, show us the, the thing that we, that we need to, to look at and to say, Today, Jesus, I commit by, the, by your Spirit empowering me to, to do this better and to find ways to grow in that. So that, God, we can be the community that you've called us to be. And Lord, for each of us today, help us to renew our, our faith in you. Or even if we, maybe we've never given our heart and believed in you, Jesus, for the first time, that today can be a day where, Jesus, we say, I believe that you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead, and I can find new life, Jesus, by believing in you as my Lord and my God. Help each of us to renew our commitments to faith today. And as, once again, you invite us to your table to remember your broken body and spilled blood on the cross. You died for us, each individually, Jesus, but you also died for your bride, for your church, so that your church could be on the mission that you gave it to be, which is to reach every person that we possibly can for you, Jesus, so that people would, would find life and that they would know you. So during this time, let us, let us reflect on, on your death and your resurrection at your table. In Jesus' name, amen.